You're listening to the 40 Days of Praying for Revival Devotion. Revival Reign, Day 4. The Greatest Miracle. Miracles are part of revivals. And what great miracles happen when God comes near. In Azusa Street, the walls were lined with crutches and canes. People came in, bent, limping, shuffling, and they left tall and upright, walking without aid. In many instances, nobody even prayed for them. They simply encountered the love of God amidst the congregation. However, the greatest of miracles has and always will be the conversion of the soul. When the disciples came back with joy, saying, Even the demons are subject to us in your name, Jesus replied to them and said, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Luke 10 verse 20. The greatest show of God's power is not in how he triumphs over Satan. Satan has never been a match for God, ever. Rather, his preeminent demonstration of power is that he can convert a sinner and bring that dead and condemned soul back to life, eternal life. Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In Colossians 2 and verse 13 it says, And you being dead in your trespasses and The uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. This is God's greatest and most important miracle. We only tend to appreciate it when we see hardened sinners converted. But even the most gentle and quiet conversion is still a miracle of magnitude greater than any healing we might ever see. You see, every physical healing is a celebration, but it lasts until the day of death. Though we see healings, those who are healed will still die one day because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Even Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from death to life after three days in the tomb, eventually did die one day. However, to live beyond the grave is a miracle and demonstration of power beyond the world we know. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, And all credit and glory goes to God, for it is by grace that we have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the greatest gift, the greatest miracle. And heaven longs for more, for more souls. Souls are the only treasure that can be rescued from the earth. They are the prize of heaven. Consider these scriptures. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, God does not want anyone to perish, but for all to have eternal life. In Luke 15, it says that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents. In John chapter 4, Jesus wanted and expected a harvest of souls. He said to his disciples, look, the fields are ripe for harvest. In Matthew 4, Jesus trained his disciples to win souls. He said to them, I will make you fishers of men. 
In the parable of the lost sheep and lost coin, we learn that no cost must be spared to find lost souls. That's in Luke 15. In the parable of the prodigal son, the biggest party is reserved for souls that were dead and are made alive. In the parable of the banquet, we see any person will do. The forgotten, the broken, the poor, the destitute, the lame, the crippled, no matter what form it takes, if it is a soul, it is gladly received by heaven. The message of the incarnation of the Son of God is this. Heaven must be full of souls. No cost must be spared. Even the blood of the Son of God. And this is to the glory of God. Revival then is God getting what God wants most. Souls. If he's going to come near, you can be sure it is not just for us to just have a greater encounter with him. He will make sure that when he comes, the saving of souls are on his agenda. If you do encounter him in a wonderful way, as many do in revival, you can be sure that he won't leave you the same when it comes to your desire for the salvation of souls. So if we are to pray for revival, then we are to pray for the harvest, a harvest of souls, the salvation of souls. The two are synonymous and inseparable. John Hyde, the missionary to India, prayed, Oh God, give me souls or I die. You know, such prayers cannot be ignored by God. When we cry for what is most important to Him, it won't be long before He rends the heavens and comes to answer. And so John Hyde prayed, sometimes days and sometimes whole nights just for souls. Then in 1904, in Silcott in India, revival came. Thousands of lives were touched and transformed. People came to repentance. People accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ. People were saved. Precious souls were cleansed and forgiven through the precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One witness said, The victory of the Silcott meetings was not won in the pulpit, but in the closet. Often the glory rested on those meetings in a mighty way, while hidden, out of sight, John Hyde and a faithful few travailed in prayer. Why do we so seldom ask for what is most sought by heaven? Why is God's agenda for souls so low on our priority? Today we pray that God would give us His heart for the salvation of souls. Are they really important to us? Do we care where others might spend their eternity? Behind every revival, someone carried heaven's agenda for souls in earnest and heartfelt prayer. Let's be those people. In 1 John 5 verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now that we know that this is His will, we approach God with confidence and we pray. Lord, I bow my heart and I bend my knee. Send revival and start with me. Pour out your Spirit in an unprecedented way. May all who hear 
be saved today. May all who are saved proclaim the way. Lord, send revival and start with me. Thank you for listening to this devotion. We hope you are